I'm John. I'm Nick. I'm Adam. And I'm Drew. And you're listening to the Archive, our ever-growing library of everything, one hour at a time. I was the third brother of five, doing whatever I had to do to survive. I'm not saying what I did was all right. Trying to break out of the ghetto was a day-to-day fight. Being down so long, getting up didn't cross my mind. But I knew there was a better way of life, and I was just trying to find. You don't know what you do till you put under pressure. Across 110th Street is a hell of a tester. Across 110th Street, pimps trying to catch a woman that's weak. What are your guys' favorite <gasps> film of his? Oh, sure. Oh, good, good question. question. I'll start with Adam. And I'll go to John. He's a steward. Uh, and I'll go to Drew. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Nick. <laughs> uh, Jackie Brown is my favorite. Nice. It's it's so good, right? It is so good. And it is uh, it, it lingers more than any of his other movies yes. do. The, yes. There it's are, got a great soundtrack. And the characters in it are almost just hanging out the entire movie, but it's a joy to watch. There, uh, there is he he has a type of scene that he does in a lot of movies where it's a character either talking to his or herself or just um, mentally prepping themselves to do something or to go through with something. And um, but the one that that happens in Jackie Brown is still to me this day the best articulation of it and it's it happens when she jackie brown is she she's sort of playing multiple sides of this um criminal dynamic and she's about to to go through this ruse and trick them all basically and she's sitting in this dressing room at a at a department store at the mall and it's the last chance that she has where she could call it off. She no could turning back. just go through with what she's supposed to be doing, or she could take it to the next level like she has planned. And the camera just, she just stares at herself in the mirror and the camera slowly zooms in on her. Um, and I've, I have never seen anybody do that as well as Pam Greer and Tarantino did in that shot. And the other moment that I love about, um, Jackie Brown, and this is probably the most personally uh, recognizable moment. Something that felt very authentic to me is when her accomplice in this effort leaves the department store and he gets out to the parking lot and he he hasn't hesitated at all. He's he's walked straight out of the department store, out onto the, the parking lot. He gets to his car and then he stops and he looks back at the door. Like he, he just checks like one last time. He knows that nobody's following him. He knows that he's, he's clear, but he still looks back there and he just pauses for a second. And then like, as he gets into the car, you can kind of see like just a very hint of a smile. Like he recognizes, okay, I really am through with this. And it, it so reminds me, um, at the time, especially of like sneaking out of school, like, you know, just, <laughs> you have to have the confidence to just push, you know, don't even hesitate. But I, I was always in that situation. Like, I, I would take that last turn and look. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Forster, the guy who plays him, is the coolest person of all time. I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is just the the calmest, 
like coolest older dude ever. And I, I love the scene where he, you, you find out that he's crushing on Jackie Brown and he goes to the record store and it's like a, uh, Sam Goody or something yeah. and he's like browsing through and he pulls out a Delphonics tape and he like listens to it in his car and he's, he's just, like constantly driving happy, around listening you know? to it yeah uh, yeah uh, Drew I was trying to decide I... one more thing about Jackie Brown is that uh, Michael Keaton plays a cop in it that is a recurring character from That's right. out of sight yeah and it was like the first time that somebody, it was the first time in a while where somebody had played the same actor had played the same character in two completely independent productions where there was no, what about that guy from homicide <laughs> munch Richard Belzer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that had been going on, hadn't it? Maybe not in a movie. Though. Movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, come on. Um, I guess, man, it, it's actually hard for me to Pick one because I don't uh, like any of them. <laughs> well, I don't like any of them on the whole. You know what I mean? As the there's no one of his movies where I'm like the whole movie I liked. So I kind of have to go off of like scenes more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I think I would go with Inglorious Bastards for the uh, dessert scene with him. Oh yeah, and the Hunts. woman that Quentin Tarantino choked. That's probably the most impactful resonant scene i think yeah it's or i I was i want to say best directed but now that you've brought this out (laughs) i don't feel comfortable saying it well and and i was i think i was saying before you know like i think there are scenes in his movies that are so incredible that one the opening of inglorious bastards is Mm -hmm. also phenomenal yeah the tavern Um, Tavern, and i uh the carriage scenes in hateful eight. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, um, there was one other that, that came to mind. Um, that's foot scene with Salma Hayek. (laughs) (laughs) List his movies. We haven't even talked about movies again. Uh, reservoir dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, kill bill. Oh, uh, the, um, bills, Description of Clark Kent and Superman. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like what I love about that scene is I don't agree with it at all. Like, I don't agree with Bill's perspective. Yeah. But it's 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 one I absolutely accept that you could take away from Superman, you know, and it's such I think it's a fantastic reflection of that character of like, you know, this character, Bill this is how he perceived that. Like, this is what he got out of Superman. You know right. what I mean? And, and especially relevant to her, like what he right. sees in her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, like Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown, both are the ones that are the most rewatchable for me. Um, I, you know, between listening to the soundtrack nonstop when I was a teenager and watching it throughout college, I haven't seen it in 10 years, but I could, tell you every line of the movie you know um which one pop fiction hmm. um and uh and then when i think about like what his best movie is i think it's inglorious bastards um i'd agree with that but i don't i don't like um the way it makes me feel so <laughs> <laughs> what's i guess what's interesting about it is like 
I don't care about it. Like, I don't care about most of the characters in it. Mm-hmm. So any of the bastards themselves, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that you're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I it's, so I don't, I guess I, I just, and what, what I mean I is mean, like, they tell you right in the title. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is like, I don't care what happens to them. I, I don't really like, I don't have any stake in it. Um, I, I think it's clever. Like the sort of, um, what, what he does with expectations in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a fun sort of fantasy fulfillment kind of thing, but it almost doesn't jive with the more um, like resonant parts of you know the French girl's story and and this like incredibly charismatic Nazi character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those two, they, their dynamic and those two characters. Um, are like it feels like two different movies. You think those elements um uh, repel each other rather than Maybe. I mean that might also be what is good about it, like that yeah. that sort of That's contrast. Part of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I I I will not say you can't have them together or that, you know, you can't mix those concepts, but I think for me that that is part of if I I, I only ever watch those scenes. Like, yeah. like I will go back and watch those scenes just to watch the scenes because they're good, but I have zero interest in seeing any of the rest of the movie again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. You like Mike Myers at all? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted to say, though, that I think his latest movie is um, the... Spoilers. I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but... I um, wish you would. <laughs> you know, John used the word meandering, I think. Um, lingering, I, lingering, lingering. No, no. I said lingering, but oh, did you? Yeah. Did you um, have a little linger? <laughs> but meandering is good. Yeah, but uh, that has the right amount of that, and again, it's just it's fun to watch. And then the production quality and storytelling and uh, everything is like of the quality of um, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Like knowing that he, you know redid entire streets in Hollywood to make them look like the time period and the attention to detail and the little hidden things in it and and the characters in it just being fun and the actors being great um, even the there are a couple of uh, just tiny cameo people in it that I was just like that is the best casting ever um and they're gone, you know. But uh, is this is is Hollywood set in real world Tarantino or movie world Tarantino? Uh, watch it. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, damn it, Adam, you ruined my train of thought. <laughs> choo choo. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I I lost it. I thought. Oh, I was I was going to say that I had intended to come in here knowing that John liked the movie and pretended that I hated it and (laughs) to make a big deal about how pandering it is because I listened to you assholes talk about Stranger Things last week Mm -hmm. and I just don't understand where you draw the line between pandering and giving audiences things that they like you know, because mm-hmm. how can you call that pandering and then go see a Tarantino movie and not realize 
It's the same thing. It's somebody who loves these things just shoving them in your face by a handful, and it's... I, it's uh, it's entirely the execution, though. It's the finesse with which they're doing it. I would, which I, w- I would, does not exist in Stranger Shoving your face with a caress. Yes, I would say it comes down to whether I believe it's authentic and it's love for the thing it's trying to tell me I love. You, um, you don't, don't think the Duffer Brothers legit love the eighties. I, it doesn't feel like it. They were on VH1's I Love the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> There's your proof. I guess it, it feels very, it feels, you know, not to like go deep on that, but it feels very surface. Um, like yeah. I've like, like the things, the 80s that they show me, anyone could show me after Googling the 80s. Like, like it just doesn't feel. I, I think they're trying to, and I, uh, I think they're trying to capture the uh, feeling of youth during that time period. And so some of it is surface level, but it's the way uh, you feel as a kid uh, watching Goonies and wanting to like be in it. and that Wanting to be sloth. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just me? Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Adam? Hi. This is a tough question. You have um, plenty of time to come yeah, up. Yeah, you've been an sitting this there. Is, and... because actually, that's my whole point. I didn't. Uh, I'm not trying to come up with an answer. Oh. I'm trying to naturally be like, "What's my favorite Tarantino movie?" Yeah, don't and force it's, it. It's yeah. really hard to like be like, "It's this one," definitively. Um, List three. What are your three favorites? Kill Bill, Reservoir Dogs, Hateful Eight. Volume one or two. Or do you consider it's it? It's a trick question. It's one movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you failed. What was it? Kill Bill. Kill Bill, the whole bloody affair. Is the Kill Bill. Um, Reservoir and, Dogs. And Hateful Eight. Okay. Um, and for all different reasons. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed the hell out of Kill Bill. Both halves. I like the first half a little better. Um, Reservoir Dogs is just what it kicked off the whole thing for me. So it's just it just has this, not to use the word again, but visceral like, God, I just love that movie so much. And then Hateful Eight's like, it's just a solid movie. It's just really, 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 really flipping good. I like um, And not that Inglorious Bastards is, and then like, and like, that sure. one isn't. And then, uh, and then, and I have still filled my, my promise on this. I still have only seen Jackie Brown once in the theater when I was 18 17, or whatever, yeah. 17 years old. And I hated it. But, you know, hmm. it was also probably just the time frame I saw it and, and yeah. whatever. I need to give it a second chance. It's kind of my point. And I said I would. I just haven't done it yet. I've I've okay. heard that a lot that people didn't like Jackie Brown because they had expectations of Tarantino and I cannot for the life of me figure out how it's different from what one would expect of him after the movies he had made at that point. I I do get that and I think there will be a similar reaction to to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I've heard people love it. I, I I've heard the same thing too, but I I imagine that as time goes on there will be a contingent that emerges that doesn't love it or turns out to not oh, love it of course. as much. Pulled you probably on it. Well, I'm just saying that's true. I love it. Of everything. <laughs> sure. Currently, sure. there will be a vocal contingent. It's a little different Conti- though, in, this, in this context. Sorry. I guess I just mean that it's not with Jackie Brown and I think with this one, there is a certain lack of swagger that mm. some people associate with his movies. And that is what I think lack people of were swagger. missing. You're, you're, you mean like the bold swagger that is in 
um, Samuel Jackson Duck and John Travolta. The bravado. Everyone yeah. in Reservoir The record Dogs. scratch. Yeah. See, yeah. I see what you're saying. Because all the characters in Jackie Brown and Once Upon Time in Hollywood uh, have style, but they're also uh, very uh, feeble. And insecure. Insecure. Spoilers. Yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess... You know, having seen Reservoir Dogs and then Pulp Fiction and then being 17, going into Jackie Brown, wanting that mm-hmm. sort of feeling mm. and then having what happened, you know, experiencing that, I was kind of like, oh, that's been kind of my attitude towards it for, you know, 22 mm-hmm. years. And I was kind of like, Toxic oh. masculinity. <laughs> wow. What? <laughs> that's what you wanted. No. <laughs> seem to think you had so much more to say adam when wow. we tried to conclude this episode and i'm glad that you did because our first episode ended up being a little overstuffed so yeah i just felt like we hadn't really we talked a lot of stuff mm-hmm. but there was still so much more well we hadn't talked a lot about the latest movie because you hadn't seen it yet yeah and drew still hasn't seen it Still haven't. So, Still, put so this probably on pause. tune in next week. Until next week, exactly. <laughs> uh, Drew, can we assume that you've given up spoilers? I read spoilers. You've read spoilers. Yeah. I thought, oh, that's right. You did read spoilers. I famously... Blows my mind. Famously. Blows my mind. It's one of my favorite things now to do, is to not care about something that everyone else cares about, and then read about it, so that I can... <sighs> Say things like, do you want me to tell you what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you, do, you do that a lot. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us what your spoilerific um, things you read about? We can take it from there. Um, okay, I guess I read... Well, so I read this... Um, I, it wasn't an article. It was like... Um, a headline. Shannon Lee responding to the movie. Oh, yeah. Right. And how she was dissatisfied with the portrayal of Bruce Lee because it felt like um, he just comes off as arrogant. Um, this is what she said. Sure. And that that is not how her father was, that he was, uh, that he also had to work three times as hard as anyone else to get where he was. And And I also read a lot of, like, reactions of, like, Bruce Lee's not going to lose to uh, some stunt guy in a fight. I know. I, yeah. Well, it's, it's I'm curious because I, I haven't read a lot about it. And I, I've i already read things that like kind of contradicted my opinion of the way events played out. But, John, you've seen it seven, <laughs> eight times now. Uh, so when I saw it... That's not the only spoilers I read. 
when it cut back back to... to, So here's the way the scene plays out, is Brad Pitt is up on the roof. He's on uh, DiCaprio's roof fixing his antenna. And he, like, kind of has this thought, you know? And then... He was was asked not to go on set because some people don't like him. Yeah. And so then it goes into the scene with Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee's only in one scene. Yeah. Not true. Not true. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Worth noting that it is is very heavily uh, uh, articulated that this is in his mind. Correct. Like it's the only time in the, it's the only time in the movie where uh, an echo of dialogue happens like independent of someone speaking. Okay. It's, it's, so it, of something that was said previous in the movie, previously in the movie echoes back as he's standing there staring off. And then we go into this scene. So that, that was my interpretation, but it seems like nobody else Got that? Maybe. So, the, so it's the the whole thing. It, it's like a ten minute scene because he goes, he he gets the job, and then he goes on set. And, yeah, and then he like Bruce Lee is being very boisterous, talking about his fists as lethal weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you see that in the ad where he, he's like, "If yeah. you kill anybody, you go to prison." Um, and then they fight, and he doesn't even actually beat him. He doesn't beat him. He well, I, what I read was they essentially have three rounds. That um, Bruce Lee wins the first round. Yeah. Right. Brad Pitt wins the second round, and then the third is interrupted. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you kind of get the feeling like he threw the first round a little bit too, where it's just like Bruce Lee comes at him and he just takes the hit. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. Um, so there, that is kind of fair that he beats him. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, the way I interpreted it was that it was all a fantasy because then after that. It cuts back to him on the roof. Mm-hmm. And but he kind of so, like chuckles to yeah, himself. Goes, yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. So yeah. not a flashback, but... Well, so there's, his there's two, that seems there's to be the debate. Two schools of thought. Is this, was this a, was, did this actually happen? Right. Which is why he was not invited to come back on set? Or is this something that could have happened very realistically, which is why he probably shouldn't be back on set? Which is how I or read it both times. was it something times. that did happen, but he's remembering it incorrectly? I guess it right. could be... I think, Either way, it's his perspective. Yeah. It is right. it is clearly his uh thought process. He is the narrator of this little scene. Right, right. I didn't think it was any sort of fantasy flashback. I thought it was just him imagining it happening. Going back to the set that day and that right. and this he's happened. playing out in his mind what have would have happened also. if if Leonardo DiCaprio's character hadn't been like, Look, you know what? It's this guy is the stunt guy on this, so yeah. you know. I, I didn't even think it was worth asking if he would hire you. It, it, it is his response to that. It's open to interpretation. Whether, and if you choose to look at it in a negative light, then yes, that's the way it could read. But there's no definitive, this is exactly the way well, this right. should be. I think the problem with it is, like, I, I, I get the argument about it, but the argument doesn't change the perspective whether it's a flashback, whether he's thinking back to something that actually happened, right. or whether it's just him imagining what would happen if it did play out, mm-hmm. it's still his perspective. Right. It's not the it's not the third person narrative of the movie. It is his thought, imagining or yeah. re- reflecting. So it's 
I mean, simple fact when so in this the, what, the, when he beats him in the second round, he basically kind of takes the momentum of of Bruce Lee and throws him right. into a fucking car, and, and like, the car door crumbles. like yeah, cr- like this it would is like, so clearly not real. Yeah, it's like, not. This real. is an exaggerated fight. Car, yeah. No, because like I was like, what are you doing, car? <laughs> right. It's actually so, the stunt uh, coordinator's yeah. car. Yeah. yeah, wife's car. The uh, yeah. the other the other thing I read about the Bruce Lee depiction in particular was. This was not Shannon Lee's, uh, she didn't say this, but um, was that all of the other Hollywood character, like the the famous Hollywood people who are depicted, mm-hmm. are done so with reverence, whereas Bruce Lee is sort of a, a joke in the movie. Oh, uh, I disagree I, with I, that. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. That, guy's perf- that guy's portrayal of Bruce Lee it's was awesome. spot That's what everyone says. On. And, and that scene is a joke. Yeah, the whole well, see, setup, that's what I was say. It is, you are yeah. set up to think like, but is but the fall I think into that's it. what people are saying is the problem. No, no, no. But when, but that's when Adam said that it's left open to interpretation. I don't like that because I think that it. I don't like that, and I don't like you. That's fine. <laughs> I'm pointing <laughs> at Adam, not the case behind him. Um, <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> but the point of the scene is that it's this tough guy imagining beating up Bruce Lee and that's the joke you know good joke so <laughs> it is a good it joke is. it's a fantastic joke so the in my mind that doesn't mean that Bruce Lee is a bad fighter or a you know cocky person it's that it's just the opposite it's so he, he is this person that if you're going to imagine yourself kicking their ass that's the person that you would imagine right kicking their ass because they're the coolest person in the world that's you think that's the Brad Pitt character's perspective? Yeah. The, you have to understand too he that Bruce Lee is the coolest guy in the world. Well, he he, he sees Bruce Lee as a threat. He perceives Bruce Lee and yeah. everybody who is part of Bruce Lee's generation as a threat. These are two guys who are fighting an incoming wave. Yeah. And losing. Yeah. <laughs> they they see the inevitable. They see the writing on the wall and this is his only shot of dominating that. There's no way this guy knows deep down that he's never going to beat Bruce Lee. And he knows he, he thinks he's probably never going to get another job, Mm -hmm. you know, because jobs are going to go to younger, more talented stunt people. So he's, this is his, his reaction to that. And so the other aspect of that is Sharon Tate, who I was wanting to bring up last week that um, her as a character in this movie uh, is very weak in the sense that it's it's not going to pass the Bechdel test, maybe. Um, maybe it does. I don't know. But she's mm. just basically a symbol of... That's the criticism I read. Yeah. Was that she's, she's not a real person in the movie. No, but and she is... Which is kind of the point, though. I think very so, Very few yeah. lines yeah. as well. She's that's the spirit. That Margot Robbie's kind of wasted in the role. I uh, absolutely disagree with that. Yeah. yeah. I, this is my chance to like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really do, it, poke, do it. Poke John. Well, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think. I see why you would say that. In both of I these cases. I didn't say it. No, Drew. If you hate I her. I read it. Then <laughs> <laughs> Look, she's no Scar Joe. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Maybe there's something to be said about her being wasted, but she's. She rocks the role, but it's oh, just, like, just look at that classic car. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but the character itself is just um, 
there's no arc to it, yeah. and she's yeah. just kind of like a butterfly drifting through the movie. And oh, Jesus, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you really selling me on this? <laughs> what? So does that make sense to you? <laughs> it, yeah, it absolutely what does. Me? I think my most, I think what the, I'm going to enjoy most about this part of the episode is listening to you guys justify this movie. I don't feel any need to justify. You're doing this it movie. though. No, 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 no. This, is, so. this fits it's into not, the into the overall conversation. This okay. is content. Maybe less, <laughs> less with Sharon Tate. Tarantino's but, but ninth piece of content. That Bruce Lee sequence in particular. Now he does appear in other in other scenes in the movie. He doesn't have any other lines in the movie, but there are two other occasions where he is seen hanging out with Sharon Tate. He yeah. he is her trainer for the movie oh, yeah. that she watches herself in. Yeah. And then there's a, a sequence of them hanging out as friends at the house where she's rent she, the house that she's renting with Roman Polanski, and those are treated very reverently. Mm-hmm. Um, the the scene where Brad Pitt sort of forces you into his mind is me too. <laughs> wow! 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 <laughs> is a, a riff on something that Tarantino does in pretty much every one of his movies. Um, and it's one of the things that I think is most interesting about him as a director and least talked about as, uh, in, in all of his career. And it's this way of using a character's storytelling and applying a cinematic veneer to it to the point that you lose yourself in whatever story they're telling. Mm-hmm. Like in Reservoir Dogs, there is a whole 20 minute sequence where Tim Roth is learning the commode script Love it. and he, it eventually, it, it culminates in him relaying the story to the, the other, uh, diamond thieves or whatever, the, the guys that are going to do the, the job, the diamond dog to sort of prove himself. <clears throat> and you, they, they depict it. He films elements of that sequence and you're in and out of it a little bit, but by the time it's over, you're convinced like as a viewer, you're convinced that what you just saw happen actually happened. It didn't. It was a made up story that he was yeah. coached in telling in order to, to fool these guys. There's kind of another one that's similar in the new movie where um, he's filming a Western with uh, mm. Timothy Oliphant. 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 And, um, and it's a really long scene that is in the movie. You know, it's just them. It feels like you're just watching. You're watching that movie, and you know, you get five minutes into it, and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has been like kind of struggling with his his um, acting at this point. Yeah, in just in general, but at this point, he just goes line, and you know. I've seen that kind of thing in movies a lot, but this one doesn't cut at that point. It just stays on him Mm -hmm. and you hear somebody give the line and you see him like internalize it and, and they do it again and they keep going and it's very well done. And, uh, it really sort of, it kind of makes you you in his experience as a struggling actor. Yeah. Yeah. Like trying to nail this when he's put so much pressure on himself. But there's a point in it that I felt like I almost forgot that I was watching this movie within a movie and it feels like it should cut out of it and it doesn't. And yeah, wraps you up in it. 
And I think, too, having historical context is really important in order to read this movie correctly. See. And I've seen a lot of people, like, talking about how um, savage the the end of the movie is. Mm-hmm. And um, there have been people who've said, like, that they felt bad for the characters at the end of the movie. <coughs> they felt that it was... We try, I felt, think we should give some context here. Yeah, so um, this, this story takes place um, in the build-up to... The Manson murders, mm-hmm. and specifically of Sharon Tate, and the whole time, just, just if if you have any knowledge of those murders, if you know what Sharon Tate's life, how it ultimately um, transpired, then you can see all of the building blocks, right, and leading up to that. The only tension in the movie, right? And yes, it is for the most part. Again, also knowing, but I did not know that's what the movie was framed around. Yeah, and when I realized that, I was like, "Oh shit!" I mean, legit. Like, like, is Tarantino going to do this? Like, of all directors, he going to actually is he going to show? Like, oh my god! Yeah, is he actually going yes. there? Right. And it's it's just, it, that is not the story, but it is the it's the backdrop for the story. The story yeah, is yeah. Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, but the the Tate murders are the backdrop, and they do provide all that tension because these characters are intersecting with these disparate elements that make up the Manson family and are ultimately right. going in, in to two kill. main ways that Sharon Tate lives next to Rick Dalton mm-hmm. and, or, um, Cliff. Uh, no, um, Polanski. Yeah. Um, Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. And, um, and he's like, he knows that, this big director lives there and he could be a big break for him, you know, because his career is dying. Uh, but he hasn't met them at all. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is that, uh, Cliff, the stunt man, uh, is, keeps seeing this hippie girl as he's driving around town and ends up, uh, giving her a ride after the third time he sees her and drives her out to the lot that, um, it used to be a film lot and they do the, he used to do a show there yeah mm-hmm. in the 50s and um and now it's the commune that the manson cult lives on right yeah and that whole sequence there like that that's the most tense part of the movie yeah, i think I, yeah. for him when he's going out there but it's also like such like awesome character work and i i didn't pick up on it on the first viewing like you think your your read of it on the first viewing i think is that He's sort of uh, captivated by this girl. Mm-hmm. Like he, it the their interaction is very flirty throughout the early part of the movie, and then when she's finally like, "Will you give me a lift?" Um, you think he's fallen for mm-hmm. her. He, he's trapped. Uh, but in watching it a second time, you pick up on he's he's actually playing her. Like yeah. he when she says she's going to the Spawn movie ranch. He immediately, like a red flag goes up for him, and he's like, why would this hippie chick be hanging out at Spawn Movie Ranch? And then he's worried about George Spawn, who's the owner of Spawn Movie Ranch, and mm-hmm. who he used to work with. So he's... Created by Todd McFarlane. <laughs> <laughs> he's going along with it the whole time, just trying to check in on things and see what's going on with his buddy George. Mm-hmm. Um, and his his disdain, well, not so much him, but uh, DiCaprio's disdain for hippies... I guess oh, both yeah. of them. I mean, it's yeah, they both palpable. seem to be right. yeah. well. He, he's his not as less, much, yeah. But still, it's like, but it's that generational it's divide. Like, yeah. It's like, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, he's mentioning he was a damn war hero. 
And I was like, oh, it's like World War II. And I was like, probably Korea, actually. Just Yeah. Someone's like, oh, World War II, been way too young for that. And I was like, yeah, there's a big ass war between Korea and Vietnam that people yeah. always forget about. I mean, yeah. I'm between World War II and Vietnam. Right. Yeah. But yeah. we don't even know if he's a war hero. That's just part of the Well, that's war, true. But, that yeah. Is, yeah. but anyway, so, yeah, the, the whole movie is pointing toward this event on the night of August 9th, 1969. The assumption that it leads you to is that the hippie crew is going in to kill Sharon Tate. And what ends up happening instead is DiCaprio sort of intersects them um, or intercepts them uh, hilariously. <laughs> and While he's smash drunk, making margaritas, and he sees them pull up in the cul-de-sac that they yeah. live in and just goes outside to yell at these hippies yeah. and Which tell is them. basically where reality right. and then Tarantino's reality yeah. schism. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question. Yeah. I guess it's for all three of you. Did you, going into the movie, did you think that it was going to follow reality or did you think it was going to follow Tarantino reality? That moment. I assumed that there would be some shift, but I, I didn't know shift uh, how it was going to play out. I didn't have any expectations of what it was going to happen. I knew beforehand that Sharon Tate's family had approved or had given it a mm-hmm. blessing. So I, I went in thinking that one of two things could happen. Uh, they could go the inglorious bastards route, which they did. Um, and you know, new history or the other thing that I was thinking strongly would happen was that it just wouldn't show it and Mm -hmm. it would just be this looming thing throughout the movie. Yeah. And then there's a point in the movie where, uh, Brad Pitt has this dog that they have this great relationship (laughs) and it's a big, thick dog. Mm -hmm. Uh, and towards the end of the movie, uh, they, they go to Italy and they make some spaghetti Westerns. Mm -hmm. And when they come back, Brad Pitt gets his dog from a kennel, and immediately I was like, "That dog is going to eat one of those mates." Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I had no idea, like as I said yeah. a few minutes ago, that this was based around that. Um, and so, kind of with the question I asked last week was like, "Hey, is this set in yeah. Tarantino world or movie Tarantino world?" Mm-hmm. And he said both, and that was totally accurate. Um, I think we just I, said we're not telling. Yeah. Oh, they said both. We yeah. just said go see it. Go see oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, I thought they were gonna. I thought he was gonna do straight up the actual uh, the the murders, and I was again, it was cringe, cringing the whole. I was I, like, oh god! I mean, like, in retrospect, it's sort of absurd to think that that's gonna happen. Yeah, I, like it just well, seems like so tasteless. I assumed this was gonna be really. Inglorious Bastards, like like fantasy. You know, re- You're right? Um, yeah. Well, it's so, and it kind of is. Again, that kind of came away. So at first, I was like, first when Mason showed up, I was like, holy shit! Like, okay, I guess he's actually doing this. And then as the essentially fiction storylines are weaving in, I started thinking, oh, it's going to be his take on mm-hmm. history. So thinking maybe those kids were going to go up there and start, you know, killing, and then then DiCaprio mm-hmm. and Pitt might stop them or something. Yeah. But just to kind of totally derail that storyline, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I had no problem with that. Just I was certain I, I once it, it gets into the climax, I was fairly convinced that 
Brad Pitt and DiCaprio were going to die instead. Mm-hmm. I also and, thought I that. mean that's that's yeah. that is the shift. They right. they decide the hippies decide to go after yeah. them instead, um, or maybe in addition to. Yeah, they, but they seem to shift their focus. Yeah. They're like suddenly concentrated on on him instead. And um, the car when they get there has four people in it, and DiCap- one of them is uh, Robin. Robin from, from Stranger, Stranger Things season three, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I bring up because you know we talked about the um falling out with uma thurman and it's Mm. that's something that i had heard about and um yeah that her daughter was in this movie and so i don't know what that means good reporting (laughs) then so kelly not kelly uh saw this with me Mm -hmm. and she knows nothing about the manson murders Mm -hmm. and so she thought she probably thinks I don't totally speak for her, but this was his worst movie ever. She was bored to tears, didn't see the point. There was no tension for her the whole time. Huh. And she was just kind of like, I, she's like, what was that? Did she give like, uh, Jackie Brown one star like you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's seen it or not. Um, but I thought I thought it was very interesting. And, and that's a pretty, the more I've done some reading, it's a pretty, if you, if you know Manson stuff, people are like, God, this movie was great. If you don't, people are like, it was fine, I guess. Yeah. Without that backdrop, I guess well, like, yeah. it, it doesn't, I think if you don't know what actually happened, it doesn't have the heart. Yeah. That's what Sharon Tate is. She's kind of like uh, Tarantino's butterfly, wistful, eulogy, pixie, dream girl. In a way, but not. But Tarantino, not Tarantinoized. Well, it's, it's more like it's his uh, manic. Pixie Hollywood. Yes. It's like, mm-hmm. this is his, his vision of like, what if all the greatest aspects of the old studio system had not gone the way that they did? So there's yeah. that wistful element to it, but it also is like, if you, if you know what happened to Sharon Tate, this is both a reclamation sort of for her. I've read a lot of takes on this where it, it's like, she has been traditionally defined by her death. Like yeah. mm-hmm. what sure. happened oh, yeah, with yeah, Manson yeah, 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 is yeah. like, you know, we only think about Sharon Tate as the person who was killed by the Manson right. murders, you know, instead of thinking of her as like this rising star in Hollywood who had a wide appeal, was very beloved by everybody and was reportedly a really nice person. And th- mm-hmm. this yeah. is what they focus on in the movie. Right. Yeah. She's got a movie coming out. She goes to see it herself. She's kind of like shy and excited about it, but she's also like the starlet and goes to a party at the Playboy Mansion. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she is living the quintessential Hollywood life and she's being nice while doing it. Like mm-hmm. she is a, she's a, an impossibly perfect character and it's calculated. Like he doesn't want you to think about her in any negative way. He wants you to absolutely love her because at the end, when she lives, it's this, there's a relief, but it's the weirdest, like bittersweet, like it's super sad because you realize that's not what happened. They don't even show the title until basically Mm -hmm. she's alive and she extends a friendly olive branch to Luna. She's like, why don't you come up and hang out? And it's like once upon a time in Hollywood. It's like, oh God, like yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But if you if you don't know that, if you if you don't realize that, then you look at the end of this movie where these two dudes just destroy right. three hippies. Oh, and it's um, no context. Nasty. Yeah, yeah. And it is super super brutal. It finally goes into Tarantino brutality and yeah, yeah. And you just you just think like, oh my God, this is just like a misogynistic nightmare right here. Um, 
but it's not. I think it is. It is one of his most heartfelt movies ever. Like it, it has the same type of heart as the end of Jackie Brown, but it also has kind of the same flavor as like um, the end of uh, Kill Bill Volume Two. Yeah, when Uma Thurman's character finally like lets go of her her past self and. She's like Revenge rolling on the floor, crying and, yeah. and thanking mm-hmm. God that she got to live and see her daughter again and everything. So I know we don't want to go into like every, um, every movie, but in thinking about like the chronology of Tarantino movies in preparation for this, Mm. um, I picked up on what seems like, and this kind of plays into maybe like our notion of what he does next. Um, the final sand star Trek, the final frontier. (laughs) I, I broke these down into, sections or chapters, I guess of his career. Nice. So if you start off with the, um, the first five movies, there's very much like a heavy pastiche, um, tribute. Vibe Sorry. Going movies on. he directed movies. He directed. Okay, yeah. We're you. just talking about the movies he directed. So you've got reservoir dogs, pulp fiction, Jackie Brown, kill bill and death proof. And then, and then when he comes back, it's Inglorious bastards, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All revisionist history movies. Yeah. And they're also just better. Yeah. There's yeah. 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 production-wise. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, and they're they're like deeper stories. Kill Bill, maybe. Though? I feel like Kill Bill's the same production no, not quality. That it's, maybe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But as as those. But I, they are there is a difference in execution, though. Yeah, he seems to be more willing to take his time, and the cinematography gets better from *Inglorious Bastards* onward. I think. Shit, some of those scenes in *Hateful Eight were just like it's just, yeah, you know, focused on the wilderness mm-hmm. for forty-five seconds. And well, just, the whole and opening just that, shot, yeah, is just that just tension beautiful. is just yeah. ratcheting, 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 ratcheting. It's just it's yeah. really really good. <laughs> What are you, what are you guys' thoughts on the revisionist history aspect of these uh, recent movies? Now, do you mean the revisionist versus the move? The ter- I'm trying to have a better way to phrase this, like the Tarantino reality versus the movies of Tarantino in that reality. Well, I, I think all of I think all of the revisionist history ones are in the Tarantino world. So he said, like you know, in the movies I make, there's either my world or the movies people in my world would, would watch. Right. Yeah. So that's some, are you talking about just basically the ones that are set in his world? No, I'm talking about the movies he's directed. The ones that like in glorious bastards where Hitler gets murdered. Yeah. Like reservoir dogs is in his world, but you wouldn't call it res- revisionist. Right. History, I right? see what you're saying. Okay. I'm, I'm curious. I don't know. Like when I think about it, there's a part of me that, um, 
isn't like doesn't feel right about it. Um, but I can't really uh, identify what that is. Hmm. Uh, I'm just curious how you, where you guys. It's dangerous, but I think that's also why it's important, or at the very least, interesting. And and I think somebody. I don't think this was Tarantino saying this, but somebody talking about his work pointed out that all movies about history are mm. fiction. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Yeah. whether they play with circumstances that everybody knows yeah. or they're just playing in the same space, they're making it up. They're, yeah, you're they're not conveying. Yeah. You're selecting true, what you it's not do a documentary of what actually happened. Right. It's a right. version you, of history. You could say that the same way, the other way where all fiction movies are revisionist history movies Mm -hmm. because you just didn't hear about their stories, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that they're exploitative, Mm -hmm. you know, like in all of them, there's this element of, um, this is how it should have. Yeah. This is how it should be done. Hmm. There's a, I think along those yeah. lines is a part of me that where it feels like, wouldn't it be great? Yeah. Like that's, that's sort of the I feeling. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think maybe that's what sort of bothers me about it. It's like, well, yeah, that would be great, but that's not, but I think so like, the like I find John it unhelpful, I think, or I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know where I, how I feel about this sort of still unpacking it. Um, do you think, does it undermine one's appreciation of the actual horror? No. Well, I don't know. Like that, that's the thing. Like I think about, if I think about this most current movie, which obviously, obviously I haven't seen, but I read, you know, a description of the final, uh, scenes or whatever. Yeah. It's more than you can say about stranger things. Season (laughs) (laughs) three. And, uh, I just, you know, I, I, I'm like, is to myself, I'm like, is this helpful? you know, this sort of fantasy Mm -hmm. or is it, you know, what, or is it harmful to, you know, say, Oh, this, you know, what if that hadn't happened? Or, you know, I don't know. I'm not really sure what I'm, I think there's a place for it. I don't, you know, he's not trying to fool anybody, Yeah, but it's, it is pandering. It's a word Mm -hmm. that people use. I've heard. Um, (laughs) in what, in what sense? Well, it's it, it's like, like I said, it's kind of exploitative because it's just like, here is this thing that was a atrocious point in history, and um, I'm going to show you the opposite of it and just smash that villain in the face, right? Yeah. In in this like, and so it's indulgent in the same way make you as feel any other good. exploitation is like, right? Like. I'm going to I'm going to make a movie about car races that's just nothing but car races and you know the story is just sort of threadbare and it's just there to hang these car chases on. He's obviously that's not yeah. the the case with his movies but it's like it is the same it plays to the same interest where I would, I would like to see more people do it and just off the top of my head Columbus arrives <laughs> and not and only immediately slaughtered yeah. by but then they take his boat and they go, and back, go to back to Italy. Italy. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. I want to watch that movie. Yeah. I'm going to start writing it. Nice. I think, um, 
I had a thought too. 1493. Yes. <laughs> Return. <laughs> With the exception of this latest one, I feel like the, the biggest uh, flashpoints in that argument about revisionist history are really not, they're, they're, they're just anecdotal. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the fact that Hitler gets killed on screen mm-hmm. in Inglorious Bastards really doesn't matter. It's, but that, I, yeah, it's I, kinda... no, no, see, but I think that, I don't think you're right about that. I, I feel like that's, it's an accent. I feel but like it's not the, but I feel like that's such a, uh, that underplays what's happening su- to such a high degree. Like, like within this movie, you know, and, and within once upon a time when in Hollywood, mm-hmm. You know, you you talk about how, well, the movie isn't about the Manson murders. You know, it's about Rick Dalton and Cliff so-and-so who they're the last vestiges of this old Hollywood. They're watching new Hollywood creep in and and sort of the understanding generally within like, you know, uh, film uh, culture is that the, the Manson murders ended the 60s and ended, you know, this... Happy movement. The era of whatever, right? And so, like, you have your characters who are the end of it, right? And at the end of that era, and then you have the event that is going to end that era. Mm-hmm. And then the event, in this instance, doesn't take place in that way. But But the way that from what I've read, the way it's depicted and also the way that the Hitler thing is depicted and is so intense. And so like to the point of comedy, right. Right. Mm-hmm. That you there, that's the, if that's the last thing that happens in the movie, I know, I know it's not the very last thing in inglorious bastards, but you, that is going to, you know, sing out in your head every time you think of that movie. To, yeah. So to claim that is, it is incidental, I think is, is not, uh, is disingenuous. Well, I guess I just mean that, like, it's, it is, in terms of that sequence, it's very important. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is the crescendo of that sequence. Right. But the movie Inglorious Bastards, the, where it is really, I guess, to me, the real indulgence there, the, the, the story is the revenge of the family that is killed in the first yeah. scene, right? Yeah. But it's the sort of, I guess, Tarantino flourish that's added there is that not only is she going to get revenge for her family, she's going to th- overthrow the whole yeah. fucking Reich. You yeah. know? <laughs> like, we're just going to push it all the way. Like, yeah. And I think that that's... I don't think anybody would ever go into that movie expecting to see Hitler no, to yeah. die, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. But that, like, you... Unless he, he saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood first. Maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At this point, yeah, you probably should be able or to expect it. Or if you told it, but... Drew that there was a twist at the oh, end, oh, and I'd be like, <laughs> Hitler dies, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hitler's gay, right? <laughs> Just doesn't like gold yet. <laughs> but the his his sort of style, his trademark is that like momentum in those manic yeah. sequences, and in this case, it it works out perfectly. But I don't I don't think it's necessary. Like I, if you if you change that movie a little bit. You take Hitler out of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's still the no. Movie still I, works, I agree you know? with you. Like, I, I guess that's why it it does feel indulgent. You know, it does feel exploitative. Of like, on top of this, I'm going to get a little. You know, yeah. Uh, sort of here's an extra zinger charge. for me. Yeah. yeah. I um, guess if it would have even in his uh, revisionist thing had any sort of 
actual impact on that reality storyline? Because, I mean, I think it's still towards the end of the war, essentially. So all the kids kind of fast forward his death by, you know, you know, maybe a year, if or if not sooner. So it's not like it, and it ultimately a lot of other people, uh, you know, the, the girl dies. I mean, a lot of like the good guys yeah. die yeah. also. So I mean, it's not like it's like a big they like hooray do. we did it. Basically, it's, it's everyone. I, I think dies. it's a big hooray we did it because Hitler dies. Yeah. I yeah. mean, but going like, on that no, thing, I mean, I I, yeah. I I really think it is. You know, if it, this was like, and her death feels very triumphant yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. Like, I, my my point is, I guess, if this was like set in like 1942 and like Hitler had just come to power and things had just started getting bad and they nipped that in the bud. Yeah. That's like, whoa, yeah, but this is already like, shit's already way bad. We've, we've fallen into the classic trap of discussing Hitler. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because I will say that anytime you can cut Hitler off from doing what he's doing is a good time to do it. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Like, even if it's a year ahead of time, he's going to kill himself. Yeah. Let's go yeah. ahead and do that, regardless. He was a cute baby. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. He came out of the womb with that mustache and everything. Yeah, can we yeah. play this game? I want to play this game. You want to play this game? Yeah, I want to play this game. All right. Uh, the other thing that Tarantino, one of the other things that Tarantino is really known for is the star-studded casts. Yeah. Full of lots of recognizable faces, in some cases doing... Uh, things that you wouldn't necessarily immediately recognize oh, yeah. them in. Okay. I don't. Well, may wait for the game. But I have something to talk about as far as that goes. Wait for the game. Wait for, wait for the game. I hope we never play the game. <laughs> I do too. Let's, I mean, Adam, it's not even that good of a game. I just like the name and I wanted to go with it. Yes. What's the name? The name is Ezekiel twenty five seventeen degrees of Tarantino. Woo. You may be familiar with the game six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. All right. This is a variation on I'm that. I'm free personally. I don't care. <laughs> uh, this is a variation on that, uh, where I am going to give you a name and you are going to tell me how you connect that person to a Tarantino directed film. Okay. Or, or directly to Tarantino. Is this Ron Robin or is this whoever answers first or how's this? Yeah. Working? And do we have 2,517 slots to get there yes all right yes but in all of these you should need no more than two or three okay all right okay but you can take whatever route you want are you ready yeah i real fast have you guys played six degrees a lot no i did when it was popular kevin bacon yeah. yeah that's how i know him three i've never actually played it well, I, I know the buddy. game. Yeah, it's four. I, I don't know if I have. <laughs> Everyone in this room, at the very least, it's four. <laughs> but we haven't been in a movie, and so. you doing yourself isn't playing it a lot. No, 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 no. But you have. Yeah, you were in a movie with someone who was in a movie with someone else. Who no, was in my a movie dad worked on transplants and automobiles. That doesn't count. You weren't in a movie with your dad. Were that's you? not. Yeah, that's the, not the game. It's not about actual degrees. I mean, it's about who was in a movie, who I was in like, a movie with... Uh, my Kevin uncle Bacon. saw Quentin Tarantino at an airport. No, 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 no. That's not saying that he's You're, like, you're breaking on, Adam's heart here. I know. I'm really sorry. He's it's three not degrees. to say that this isn't cool, but he's you're three also... Degrees. You're you with the game here. Yeah. All right, go ahead. All right. Yeah, you forgot. If you break this chain, you're no longer four degrees. Yeah. <laughs> so it's in your best interest to agree with that. I've seen the Bacon Brothers live. You're I'm one, one degree <laughs> from Kevin Bacon. All right. I've eaten bacon. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. It's inside oh. of me. I'm zero. I win. <laughs> wow. All right. Your first challenge. Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Wait. Connecting. Who are we connecting he him to? Pulp, he was in Pulp Fiction. Yes. Adam, Adam <laughs> wins that round. 
You <laughs> so do connect the actor in? to a Tarantino yeah. movie. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, your second challenge, Vince Vaughn. And the, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna. I'll give you. I'll give you thirty seconds. And we're these. we're playing this the same way where you connect the him to another yes. actor. To Vince uh, Vaughn was in blank with blank, blank who was who in was a in movie. yeah right. such and such with that was directed by Tarantino. This one's admittedly a little hard. Yeah, and I probably, but I figured I would go with the easy one and then follow it up with a really hard one. Vince Vaughn was in uh, Lost World with um, Jeff Goldblum. Mm -hmm. Jeff Goldblum was in The Fly with Gina Davis. Mm -hmm. Gina Davis was in Beetlejuice with Michael Keaton. Yes, and Michael Keaton was in. One Pulp Fiction <laughs> or Jackie Brown? Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. You did it. Good job. Nice. Yeah. Well nice, done. Nice. 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 All right. Bette Midler. Oh. <laughs> oh. Schmidlap. Um, Bette Midler. Oh, you, I've already done one. No. So go ahead. No. <laughs> I've already uh, done one. I'm over here like, who was somebody in a movie with Bette Midler? <laughs> <laughs> Bette Midler was in, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie. That witches movie? Maybe it was like... Something it was with Seth Rogen. Um, oh, that sounds right. Recently, yeah. Seth Rogen was in The Lion King with uh, um, uh, wow, um, <laughs> Donald Glover. Yeah, Did Donald you... Glover was in uh, Spider Man nope. Far From Home with Yes, he was. No, he was Michael Keaton. Spider-Man. No, Spider-Man uh, Homecoming, Homecoming. with Michael with Keaton. Michael Keaton. <laughs> and Michael Keaton was in Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Well Good done. Job. Yes, well done. You could have also said that Bette Midler was in the first Wives Club with Timothy Oliphant, who was in oh. Hollywood. I thought you were going for Samuel L. Jackson with that. And I was like, Donald Glover wasn't in the same movie as Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> but you, you figured it out. Well, I could have just then done Donald Glover was in... Homecoming with Tom Holland, who was in Far From Home. Yeah, but with he, Sam Jackson. He only gave us three three hundred thousand million. Also, uh, Endgame. Two tw- twenty five seventeen. Oh, you are giving us twenty five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Sting. Sting was in Dune with. Um, uh-huh. Uh huh. What's his name? I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> well, then you don't. He um, was in Dune with. Kyle uh, McLaughlin. No, Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. And wait, Kyle wait. McLaughlin was, he must have been in a Tarantino film himself. Yeah. Okay. Ter- then Kyle McLaughlin was in uh, oh, Portlandia with. Uh, not not, not a movie. Movies. It has to be a movie? Yeah. I'll let it slide. I'll oh, let no, it no, slide. no. I'll do a movie. He was in uh, um, Twin Peaks, The, the Return. Mm-hmm. It's a TV show. It's a movie. It's a yeah, it's a, he, he described it's a it as a film. Uh, oh. with, uh, with, uh, um, who's in that one? <laughs> what are we? Oh, on? oh, oh, what's his name? Who plays her dad? Um, what's that guy's name? Who plays, uh, Laura Palmer's yeah. dad? Leland. Um, uh, oh God. <laughs> Ray Wise. Ray Wise. He's in that with Ray Wise. 
Ray Wise was in the Tim and Eric movie with Tim Heidecker. Tim Heidecker was in Ant-Man. No, was in um, <laughs> Fan-Forced. Fan hey, let me back up. He was in Ant-Man the Wasp. Tim Heidecker was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. He was. He was in Ant-Man and the Wasp with Paul that. Rudd. He was the boat operator. Paul Rudd yeah. was in Endgame with Sam Jackson. <laughs> and Sam Jackson... Wasn't in Homecoming. Was in... Uh, <laughs> Was in any of those any of those. <laughs> All well right. Done. Good, good. Well, I guess I can strike Paul Rudd from the uh, yes. list here. <laughs> was How, Sam uh, Jackson in Endgame? Who? In Endgame? Yeah. yeah. Endgame? Yeah, he, he was. was at the funeral. Yep. Oh, yes. Uh, Paul Rubens. Oh, Paul Rubens was in Mystery Seriously? Men with uh, <laughs> Drew's good Ben at Stiller. Uh-huh. Ben Stiller was in... Uh, uh, Zoolander. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, Ben Stiller was in Meet the Fockers with, with Robert, Robert De, Niro, De Niro, who was in uh, Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. That was easy. Good. I, I, Good. I got That's one of those. That's yeah. Nick. Give that to Nick. <laughs> that one goes to Nick. Yeah, Adam's right. gotten one, and it was the easiest one. Because you haven't let me say anything. <laughs> well, let me, uh, I'll just jump in here. I'm and... sorry I'm better at this than you. <laughs> but you're, 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 you're thinking it out as you're going along. You're supposed to. Yeah. I mean, you eventually you develop like a little bit of a, a callus, and you can recall <laughs> it from memory. All you got to do is get into an MCU movie. That's all you have That's to do. That certainly true. helps. Yeah, uh, Sam Eagle. Who's that from the Muppets? <laughs> nice. Sam, okay, Sam Eagle. Was it Sam the Eagle? I don't think Harrelson. he's called Sam the Eagle. He's Sam Eagle. Trust me. On that. Sam the Eagle. Michael, let us know. Sam Eagle. Yeah. Sam the Eagle. Was in a uh, Muppet movie. His name is Sam Eagle. With Kermit the Frog. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Why are you going to Kermit the Frog? <laughs> <laughs> was he in the uh, Jason Seagal, Amy Adams yeah. one? Yeah. All right. So let's let's. Okay, so Ker- Sam Kermit. Eagle was in The Muppets with Jason Seagal. Uh-huh. No, Sam Eagle was in the Muppets with uh, what's her face? No, go Kristen Seagal, and then you go to Seth Rogen, and then the, we and then the it. same. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, you could also Bette Midler, who was in. I also didn't say a Seth Rogen Jason Seagal movie. I just said, you know, <laughs> we know they've done stuff together. <laughs> they smoked Pineapple a joint Express. together, oh, probably. Uh, I was going to say they were in uh, Freaks, and Geeks, Freaks and Geeks, but that's not oh, a movie. Yeah. Uh, Sam Eagle was also in Muppets Most Wanted with Till Schweiger, who plays Schweiger. Hugo Stiglitz in oh, Inglorious Bastards. Wow. Commodore <laughs> uh, Schmidlap. Uh, all right. This one, this, we're, we're going, we'll allow TV on this one. No. No. All right, fine. No. All right. All right. <laughs> we won't allow TV, but it still works. Um, well, no, I guess it doesn't work. Never mind. I'll start. No, okay, on. allow TV. No, 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 no. no, no it's no. fine. We'll just He's skipping it, it now. We'll try to. Uh, yeah, just say it. Okay, the General Lee. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> well, there uh, was a movie. There was a there movie. was a movie. Yes. Uh, it had that. Justin it, it had Ben Stiller in it. Did it? Wait, or it had uh, one Justin of the. Simpson didn't it have one of the. Wilson boys? No, that was um, Starsky and Hutch. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, So Jessica Simpson. Sean William... Sean Sean William William Scott. Scott. Was he in that? I feels like it. Okay. Sean (laughs) William Scott. Was he in Star 
No, he was. How was that the one? General Lee was in the Dukes of Hazard movie <laughs> with Sean William Scott, possibly. Or we could go. I'm was pretty sure in, uh, uh, the one dude who was in the original show did a cameo. Um, who played Jonathan Kent on Smallville. Oh, yeah, candy we, shows. Candy shows, and we also Damn need it. names. Uh, the General Lee was also in Ready Player One, I believe. Oh, oh. very good. Okay. <laughs> so wow. I was in Ready Player One <laughs> with, uh, uh, what's his name? The he evil guy. Cyclops, Ty Sheridan. No, the guy. Okay, well, the evil, oh, you're right. Yeah, it's, in, it's in Marvel, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. <laughs> with with Sam Jackson. Jackson. And so forth and so on. Wait, um... Did, uh, what's his name? Um, Will Wheaton have any role in Ready Player One? I don't think, I don't so. think so. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, he should have. What the hell? <laughs> Spielberg. Uh, Smurfette. <laughs> hey, is this the movie, Smurfs? Yes. Okay. Yes. She was in Smurfs, the, in the Smurfs with, mm-hmm. God, who wait, was in all Neil, Neil Patrick Harris, wait, who played wait, wait, wait. She was in Ready Player One. <laughs> Was she? You can't argue with that. I've never yeah, seen it. Prove us yeah. wrong. That works. Was it Hank Azaria that played Gargamel? Or was it Neil Patrick? Oh, I think it's oh, Hank Azaria. Yeah, that Hank sounds Azaria. right. Okay. The with, Simpsons. Uh, done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. The Simpsons movie. Can't be a TV show. True. He was in the Simpsons movie with. What celebrities were in that movie? Nancy remember. Cartwright. <laughs> <laughs> And she was in Come on, guys. the we Simpsons can't, movie with we, Yardley Smith. We can't lose <laughs> on Smurfette, damn it. Okay, let's back this up. So Smurfette uh, was in obviously that movie with Hank Azaria. Are we allowed to look up the cast Wait, of movies? Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria was in Godzilla. Character. Oh, good, good. Hank Azaria with, was in uh, Godzilla with, with Jean uh, Renault. Jean Renault. Who was in the and professional? Who was in professional with, with Natalie Portman? Which she was in Thor, <laughs> with uh, Chris Helmsworth. Chris Helmsworth, who was in, in yeah, you're done. Endgame. We did it. We're done. You could have also gone to uh, Star Wars for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ah, yeah, okay. but that was more oh, fun yeah. to do. Sam Jackson. Uh, B J Novak was also in the Smurfs, and he was in Inglorious Bastards. Oh. oh. All right, your last one, Xenomorphs. <laughs> I mean, this should be easy. Okay, xenomorphs uh, were in. There was a xenomorph Alien in with aliens. Ready Player One, wasn't there? I don't know. With, but with Sigourney Weaver, yeah. who was in Avatar with uh, Sam Worthington, <laughs> who was in Terminator. And now Salvation. we're done. Salvation with Sam Worthington only with made Claire one Danes. <laughs> with Claire Danes. No, she was not in Salvation. No, no um, um, uh, Jessica Chastain. I don't know if she was in it. Who was the main? He was it, but Anton Yelchin was in it. Yes, who was in in Star, Star Trek, Trek, which is the next <laughs> Tarantino directed <laughs> film. We went forward. We did time. it. <laughs> Xenomorphs were also in Prometheus with Michael Fassbender. Prometheus ah. was in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, your chains are too short. Well, that's why I wanted to have like a direct link. <laughs> that's why as John's rapper name is Too Short, short Chains. <laughs> Chains, comma, or Too Short. Colon, but too you short. guys performed admirably. Like, Yikes. I just imagine you just like sitting there and getting tired and bored with this game and then just quitting. Well, it helps but. that Drew just doesn't think. He just starts spitting words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it really does speak to the breadth of the MCU, huh? Like, yeah. you get to someone who's been in the MCU, you've got to direct line into a Tarantino film. It truly does. Or Star Wars for that matter. Or Star Wars for that matter. 
I had one final thing to, to jump in. Yeah, uh, I can't. I already forgot the actor's name, and it's kick, I'm kicking myself for it. But the guy who did the Steve McQueen, yes, that's God, what I was going to bring up so last week. Good. It's the dude from Homeland. Uh, oh, Damian Lewis. Yes. yes. And I mean, I never would have thought that, and he's only in the movie for like yeah, sixty seconds max, uh, two or three minutes. But yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He does have a, an important part, I yeah. think, in the in the Sharon Tate storyline. Yeah, but God, I mean, he just freaking nailed it. He just, just he look he has the face. He's just yeah, 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 yeah. It, is did he nail it in the sense that he just looks very much like him? Yes. Or? Well, I, no, his actual portrayal was like eerily accurate. He has like three lines. Oh, uh, actually, six. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty great. He's in it for I like... supposed to be like, uh, a little more than that, but... He goes, yeah. 60 seconds, uh, more like three minutes. <laughs> Big difference. But yeah, I mean, kudos to that guy. I mean, it just... I was kudos forward. to that guy for looking like. I, yeah, good job <laughs> well, looking betrayal. like. I mean, his, his, his line delivery. Yeah, no, that's just, true. In, in the little time that he's there, he does, you know, convince you that he's playing Steve McQueen. Yeah, <laughs> it also helps that there's an arrow pointing to him, and yeah. it says Steve McQueen. That's <laughs> true. But they do that with like 15 people yeah, in that scene. Mama Cass that's yeah. play they don't party. point out Mama Cass. No, I thought they that don't. was interesting. Yeah. they point out Michelle Phillips, but then oh, they were like, I mean, it's obvious it's Mama Cass. I don't know who yeah. else that would be. No, yeah, totally. But but it, I thought it was interesting that they they make a, a point to single out those three people in the first shot, and then there are other. Players, right? Who are supposed no, to be? I didn't realize that historical Angie, figures, but and she brought up how there were a lot of people who were children of famous people in it, mm-hmm. and I can't. The only one I can remember off the top of my head is um, Andy McDowell's daughter plays the hippie. That oh, okay, I didn't know that. Um, and uh, Uma Thurman's daughter, yeah. but um, yeah, I don't know if there's some sort of you know with the the movie being about kind of Hollywood generations. I don't know if there was some intentional thing with that also. Yeah. Hmm. I could totally <clears throat> see that. Lena Dunham is in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, oh, what the hell's her name? Uh, Sam Eagle. <laughs> Sam the Eagle. <laughs> the Eagle. He looked um, it up. <laughs> it's Sam, Sam Eagle. Eagle. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, damn it. What, uh, <laughs> I'm getting too tired. I can't think of her name. She was a, she was a child actress. Did we go to the, the movie was in Twilight and then... Dakota Fanning. Yes, thank you. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I didn't recognize like... her. No, I didn't recognize her either. Yeah, um, that's how she was. Uh, she was uh, squeaky. She was squeaky. squeaky. Yeah, squeaky the redheaded hippie. <laughs> it was an actual <laughs> person Saturday. who who it was one of the people at the commune. Yeah, that's all, all right I about Tarantino. Well, until next time, uh, Volume Three. If you're feeling sore about this. Uh, We'll see you in 30 years or so. And in the meantime, we'll put this in the outcome.